the failure to act with sufficient ambition to avert the climate catastrophe will be the greatest moral failure of our time. Making changes takes courage, and if we don't change things, we won't have a future. I'm an environmentalist. A lot of people don't understand that. I think I know more about the environment than most people. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Change is coming, whether you like it or not. Zero Carbon East Off. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista, Series 2, The Manifesto. I'm Ian Collins. This is the go-to podcast for all matters environmental. If it's on the green list, you'll find it here. Each week we focus on the breaking and emerging stories on the climate change agenda. There could be little doubt this is the most serious and pressing matter on planet Earth right now. Front and centre of the proceedings, of course, is the entrepreneur and environmentalist Dale Vince, often referred to as an accidental businessman, once a new age traveller with a ton of dreams, now the owner of Ecotricity, the world's first green energy company. He's also the chairman of Forest Green Rovers, those dreams firmly a reality. And can we start with a bone of contention, Dale, if that's all right, if you don't mind? Because uh, yeah. you, know, you and I, we record this um, Every Friday morning, and it goes out literally at right hot off the press, the, the fastest released podcast in the world, I'd like to think. Oh. Um, and we normally record this, what, about sort of 11 a.m.-ish, half 10, 11. I'm dragged out of the bed this morning at like 6 by your, <laughs> your team of handlers saying, Collins, we need to do this quick and we need to do it early. What's the urgency? Well, uh, something really big today. We've been cooking this story up for uh, quite a while, something we've been working on for about seven years. And wow. uh, it hit the media this morning. And I mean, it's a mad idea. Shall I tell you about it now, Ian? Tell us more. Yeah. So what is it? I know it involves jewels. Yeah. So uh, about 10 years ago, I was thinking about geoengineering, the idea of tweaking the environment on a planetary scale to suck carbon out of the atmosphere and fight the climate crisis. And it occurred to me that actually getting carbon out of the air is a good thing, but it's only half the battle. What you've got to do is lock it up into a permanent form of carbon. And I thought the most permanent form of carbon known to mankind is a diamond. And, And immediately thought, wow, wouldn't it be incredible to take carbon out of the air and make a diamond with it? About seven years ago, we started on an R&D journey to do just that. Uh, Two or three years ago, we began to make actual stones. And today we released the story and we unveiled Sky Diamonds to the world. Let me just check. Is this April the 1st or something? What's going on here? (laughs) It's a bit like that. This is alchemy. Dale Vince, this is alchemy, man. What's going on here? It is. It's modern day alchemy. And I I love it for that because when I had the idea, (laughs) it was so exciting, such such an evocative idea. And we've we've kind of taken it even further. So we call it Sky Diamonds, uh, not just because of the carbon element, really, because everything that we use to make these diamonds comes from the sky. Quite literally, we use the wind and the sun to power the machinery. That comes in two parts. There's the sky mining facility, which we use to take certain gases out of the atmosphere, including carbon dioxide. And then there's the diamond mills where we make the diamonds in a ball of plasma at the temperature of the surface of the sun, about 8,000 degrees C. So we power that with renewable energy and we take rainwater from the sky. We split it to make hydrogen, one of our key gases, and we directly extract CO2 from the atmosphere as well. And uh, that's everything we use, wind, sun, rain, and carbon dioxide. Let's talk through this thing, because there's, there's a lot to look at here. So the, the humble diamond. I mean, have a listen to this. Diamonds are forever. Hold one up and then caress it. 
you know, I met the man who wrote that once, though. Oh, wow, really? Don Black, yeah. He's, I don't think he worked a day after he wrote that. He didn't need to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, of course, they're, they're symbolic with, as that song and many others, such as Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend, you know, all of that. I mean, they are sensual, they're sexy, they're rare, they're expensive, they're glamorous, they're attractive, they're gorgeous. They're clearly part of a skilled process. I mean, it's, I don't know for how long, but, you know, since man walked the earth, you know, your diamond is synonymous with um, rarity and opulence. Would that make sense? Yeah, except it's only really since the 50s, since De Beers got going with a massive marketing machine that came up with strap lines like diamonds are a girl's best friend and diamonds are forever. And the idea that if you love somebody, you've got to spend two or three times your monthly salary on a stone to get engaged. This is all a fabrication of the diamond industry. So before that, they were particularly uh, relevant or worth anything. Uh, So I just want to say that for a secondly, uh, diamonds are considered beautiful i like them um but the actual unseen story of diamond mining is hideous these guys are digging holes so big that you can see them from space the working conditions of the of the indigenous people in the countries where they're mined are just awful i mean they're not just dangerous but they're awful working conditions and the environment impact of diamond mining is enormous so We've just published a study uh, from Imperial College in London into the impact of diamond mining because it's a completely opaque world. The only studies published have been by the mining industry. So this is the first independent study. And one of the great takeaways we learned from that is that for every single carat of diamond that is mined, they have to shift 1,000 tons of rock and soil. They have to dig it up and displace it to make one tiny stone. And... It produces about 100 kilograms of CO2 and consumes about 4,000 liters of water. And that's before you look at the impact on wildlife and pollution and stuff like that. So it's an enormous environment and social cost to diamond mining. And one of the things we're saying today is that with this new way of mining for diamonds from the sky, we no longer need to do it the old way. Hmm. And we hope that uh, this, this may signal the end of diamond mining as we know it. I, I guess one of the arguments would be that, that the reason why uh, diamonds have this incredible image and they are so expensive is because of all of the aforementioned, that you don't find them you know, walking along a beach just laying there amongst the seaweed, uh, that they're not even you know, a couple of centimetres under the earth. You've got to really go. It's the rarity and the process that makes the value. And by not usurping that or bypassing all of that you simply devalue what a diamond is yeah i you know i don't don't buy that i think um there certainly is a lot of effort and cost that goes into mining diamonds but the price of them is kind of it's artificial it's detached from that and you know inherently diamonds aren't worth anything so you know we're not undermining them the the value of a diamond is absolutely a product of marketing De Beers have done an incredible job, as I say, since the 50s uh, to make these really, uh, really wanted uh, pieces mm. of stone. Before that, they weren't particularly. But like all markets, you know, it's, it's a function of, of demand and, and supply. And, you know, if you, if you make people want something, then they'll pay for it. And, you know, you can choose a price at which people are willing to pay enough that you can afford to make them and, and so on and so on. You know, it's just another market. Uh, yeah. But we're, we, you know, we're taking a very high tech 21st century approach to this. And one of the things I love is that our facility, that the air 
coming back out into the atmosphere from our chimney is cleaner than the air that we bring in. And I think that's an industrial first and is exactly the kind of industry we need in the 21st century to fight the climate crisis, to fight all these big sustainability issues and actually enable us to carry on living the way that we like to live. You know, it's one of the big myths of green living that we have to give stuff up. You know, we don't see it that way, as you know, whether it's in football or in energy or in cars. Our argument is that actually it's just a different and better way to live. And, and diamonds for us is just a new frontier. I'm, I was trying to work out. I mean, you've had lots of ideas over the years, uh, you know, and some have worked out brilliantly. Others you've kind of left on the shelf to, to perhaps come back to. I'm just just trying to imagine the moment where you kind of like laid on a druid's hill smoking something you shouldn't have been thinking, <laughs> I wonder if I can get diamonds out the sky. I mean, it's not a thought that really crosses many people's minds other than, I don't know, David Copperfield or something. Yeah, look, I, I have a I have a mind that doesn't sit still. I'm thinking all the time, and uh, and this was just one of those you know random thought journeys from geoengineering to locking up carbon to to you know oh well actually you know diamonds are the the most enduring, the hardest form of carbon known to mankind, and yeah. you know that's how I think. I think about stuff in a in a uh, well, constantly for one thing, but also sure. in, a, in a different way, I think, to, to a lot of people. I would say that I'm, I'm not neurotypical. Sure. And, and that's that's a, a huge strength, of course. And and something like this, I mean, have, having the idea and saying, well, the concept kind of, you know, grabbing the carbon from the air, that this is all natural stuff, as long as you can get the process to be environmentally considerate when you're putting it together. I, I can get the theory, but to get to where you are today, I mean, this would have involved building reinventing certain applications to the engineering process i mean have you got a huge laboratory knocking this stuff out now not huge no and a small team of people and you know i think we've done pretty well but we've pulled together bits of cutting edge tech from different uh, different sectors and we've combined it in a, in a novel way we've got global patents on on the process although uh, you know we we actually want to spread this idea one of the things I also love about this is it's a bit like, uh, you know, probably cue for the book bugle, but it's a bit like, here it comes. <laughs> there it is. It's a bit like renewable energy. So in the book, I talk about how renewable energy democratizes energy uh, because it isn't just located geographically in certain parts of the world, like the Middle East, for example. Every country in the world has access to the wind and the sun. And so it can free every country in the world from the global market for fossil fuels, which is rigged openly by OPEC and others, and which is denominated in dollars, which is difficult if you're not America. And um, diamond mining from the sky is just the same because we can make diamonds like this in any country of the world at the moment they are majorly found in africa russia and canada let's say for example so they're geographically restricted in the same way that oil and gas is and so we can democratize the diamond industry this way as well so the process in, in layman's terms again dale you take the carbon from the sky that's naturally there uh, that goes into a tube with something else. It sits there, crystallizes, morphs, grows, whatever, and a diamond <laughs> is produced. Is, is that kind of, is that how you'd explain it in Fisher Price terms? In Fisher Price terms, I think that did the job very well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I, so when I woke up this morning, uh, this story is, I mean, you are all over not just the, uh, the, the British, but global media are on this story. And 
Um, big piece in the Guardian about that. Big piece in the Daily Mail. And if ever you want bringing slightly down to earth, Dale, I know your shoulders are broad, so you don't care. Don't read the Daily Mail story. Read the comments on the Daily Mail story because that's <laughs> yeah. where the real. This is humour that you know the greatest comedic writers could not put together. So, do you want a couple of these? Shall I fire yeah. a couple? Of these? Yeah, go on, hit me uh, with them. Here's one from After Dark says, just how eco-friendly is this? Keeping a furnace running at 8,000 degrees for two weeks using vast amounts of electricity to heat it. (laughs) I think that was the kind of anger that was employed when writing it. So, I mean, you've kind of explained that at the beginning. Um, It is eco-friendly. Just reiterate why. Yeah, these uh, diamond mills are really quite small, compact machines. The plasma ball isn't much bigger than I'm um, sat here holding my two hands together with my fingers open. It's not much bigger than that, like a small loaf of bread. Uh, they're very efficient. They actually use a surprisingly small amount of electricity. And of course, we take that all from the wind and the sun anyway. So it's, it's renewable and entirely clean. So, you know, that, that one's a little bit wider than mark. This one in from Ben Ekra, who says, all lab-grown diamonds are easily identified and are considerably less valuable than their natural diamonds, which yeah, that's, you've kind of touched on. I mean, you're, you're not disputing that. But that's actually not quite true. I mean, uh, lab-grown diamonds, are you know maybe they're selling at maybe a 20 30% discount to market uh, for the mine diamond, but not always, actually. They can be quite closely priced. I don't know if all lab-grown diamonds are marked as lab-grown, but we're going to we're going to mark ours as sky-grown because we don't want them mixed up with the with the dirty mined diamonds, and and that kind yeah. of flips the normal narrative on its head, where the mined industry have been calling for lab-grown diamonds to be marked to avoid confusion for a long time, but we want to mark ours to avoid confusion because we don't want anyone to think that they've been dug out of the ground and made with all of those awful consequences. Uh, somebody here says this has been done before, even by De Beers. Is that true? Uh, no, I think what they're referring to is uh, lab-grown diamonds. Uh, that's been something, it's been possible for probably a couple of decades, but for industrial-grade diamonds and jewellery-grade has become possible, particularly in the last, I would say, five years, uh, or maybe a little bit longer, pretty much in parallel to the development of, of Sky Diamonds. Uh, and there are half a dozen companies in the world now that are making them in a lab. De Beers actually is included. They make them in Oxford in England. And um, I think that's quite ironic and tells you everything you need to know, that the biggest uh, diamond mining company in the world, the company that controls the market, manipulates the market, I would say, is actually making them in a lab as well. Uh, this one from a Liverpool fan. It says, all that energy to make Bling and himself rich. How eco-friendly is that? <laughs> well, if I get rich enough, I'll buy a club as big as Liverpool. <laughs> You've almost got one. <laughs> uh, somebody here called Joni says, love the jacket, Dale. Where'd you get that from? That's reference to the photograph that accompanies the piece yeah. in the uh, in a couple of the pictures. That's a super popular jacket. Every time I appear on social media on it, it gets that kind of comment. Plus the other kind of comment, which is, what are you doing wearing fur? Because apparently it looks realistic. I wouldn't know because I don't actually know what fur looks like. But it's a jacket I got from an equestrian shop. Uh, so it's uh, like, you know, from the from the world of horse riding. I just liked it. And um, so there it is. I think it's Holland and Cooper for anybody that's uh, brand aware. Okay. That's good to know uh, for fashionistas listening to this. Um, what next, Dale? Gold, says somebody here. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is what I love about it. Uh, the fact that it is alchemy turning thin air into stones. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I don't think there's gold in the atmosphere, so it won't be quite that. But, you know, who knows? Somebody said, why, why not make graphene? Um, 
Yeah, why not? That's that's a very important material. Carbon fiber, I would like uh, if we could make it from air, airborne carbon. I don't know what's involved in that process, but honestly, it's taken us so long to get in. We've only just launched, and I think we're just scratching the surface now of what's possible sure. because this is the most sustainable diamond in the world. And our, our process isn't just low carbon. It's not just zero carbon. It's negative carbon, and, and that's a first. And so we, we've got a lot of mileage in this one. We've got a lot of expanding to do, and, and you know, we want to we put a big dent in the mining industry. And just for those that are not following this, uh, this you're not replicating a diamond. You're not making something that looks like a diamond. You are making a diamond that has all of exactly the same components and elements as a natural diamond would have. No difference. Ab- no, absolutely. I mean, diamonds are pure carbon in a particular crystalline form, and that's what we make. And they are indistinguishable to anything other than uh, laboratory kind of examination. I mean, these are this is a diamond form of carbon, absolutely. A uh, couple of other questions now, uh, although this is connected. Ronnie on Twitter says, Dale, what kind of mad genius are you? <laughs> there is, I mean, it's interesting. Last week we talked about the fact that you might be becoming a lawyer uh, because of your legal cases against the government. And now you're a diamond dealer. What's going on here? Yes, yeah, It's, it's like Mr. Ben every week, Dale. I like it. <laughs> I never watched Mr. Ben, actually. <laughs> oh, you I missed should. out. You missed out. Uh, yeah, well, it, I mean, it, there is a genius to this. I mean, yeah, the, the, you know, the madness, genius uh, kind of borderline thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but this is, I mean, it's game changing and, and things only change because people have the idea and the desire to change them. Yeah, it is a mad idea. I always thought so from the get-go. And the handful of people I've told over the years about it have all looked at me in the same way, kind of slightly vacant. Did they mishear me? Or am I joking? Or, or have I just gone, you know, maybe slightly crazy? Uh, it's been like that. And even yesterday when we were pumping out the press release to the to the world's media, we got a bunch of kickback from, from uh, media outlets. So I think the Times was the worst saying, yeah, we don't believe it, actually. <laughs> Likewise, nice. we, we would make this up. Uh, but but I understand it because it is such an improbable idea. That's partly why I love it, I think. Yeah. I mean, you built your first windmill in the mid-90s. I, I sort of have a vision when that was going up of somebody sort of standing there, one man looking at it saying, you never get that to turn. I can imagine, you know, that sort of cynicism is is kind of, it's a proclivity that some people carry around with them. Perhaps. Maybe it's a natural thing. And that's why people like you were able to counter it with, with something that does. Yeah. I mean, I have encountered it all my life. Uh, building that first windmill was a great example because nobody thought it was possible. I, I didn't know anybody else except uh, my, my original partner, uh, the guy who owned the land. Uh, he was the only other guy that thought it was going to happen. And, you know, it's, it's been the same with a lot of other stuff, cars, electric highway. When you when you break new territory, when you, you push the boundaries or create new boundaries, that's just the way it is. It's human nature to say, oh, yeah, but, you know, it'll never work, will it? Yeah. And a classic, I find, is people saying, if it was that easy, it would have been done already. And and I, I find that so uh, illogical because, by definition, something always gets done for the first time by somebody. Yeah, of course it does. Uh, and, again, just to, it's worth reemphasizing the point here underlining all of this isn't the uh, the desire to become a diamond dealer the fact is you've changed you've fundamentally and monumentally changed the process of something that has uh, manifestly huge um, implications environmentally speaking so that predominantly is where it goes back to 
Yeah, it's um, it's a couple of different things for me. Um, you know, this, this green revolution that we need is about doing things differently. It's about uh, you know the living the living the kind of lives that we want to have, but in a different way. Whether you're talking burgers, cars, or football, uh, for example, is about doing things differently. And uh, the diamond mining industry is a big, dirty industry, like the oil and gas industry that we have to transition away from. In that case, to renewable energy. So we're, what we're saying up here is an alternative to the diamond mining industry but it's a great example of 21st century industry uh, using technology to help solve a climate and sustainability issue and at the same time make something that uh, that we like to have you know we're taking something we have too much of carbon in the atmosphere and turning it into something that we quite like to have diamonds now here's a question from chris who emailed zero carbonista at ecotricity.co.uk this is back to the book again And there's the bugle. Um, I've ordered a copy of Manifesto. I want to know if you'll write anything for the dedication like your website says. And by the way, he's actually asked if you could write, Chris, thanks for teaching me everything. (laughs) That's brilliant. Uh, I I wasn't aware that we said we would write absolutely anything. Uh, Certainly we didn't mean it in that way. But I mean, that's humorous. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I'll do it for a joke. I'm not really sure. But then I I have to think about it, Chris. yeah, because you have to think, I mean, legally, could he then say, in a year's time, Chris pitches up and go, that diamond idea, right? Yeah, you can have that, Chris, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's admitted it in the book. He actually said, thanks for teaching me everything. That includes the diamonds. Um, and a final one from Andy on Facebook. Uh, can we have a score prediction, please, Dale, for El Glossico? Um, I think you need to explain what El Glossico is. El Glossico is the uh, annual matchup, really, between us and our, our nearby rivals, Cheltenham Town. Um, it's great fun. Uh, I mean, it's a great friendly rivalry. Although um, uh, we we feel we have the upper hand, as our fans like to sing. Cheltenham haven't beaten us since 1998, which is quite a long nice. time ago. Yeah. And we play them at their place tomorrow in the it's first away match. Yeah, the, the first of the kind of double header for this season. We play them at home uh, much later in the year. So that's quite exciting. And then on Sunday, uh, we've got a bonkers story for World Vegan Day. I can't, uh, I can't let it go here. But I mean, it's just like um, fun and big and and slightly eye popping. It's I love these. You have you have these all the time. They're popping up like all the time. These strange game changing headlines and moments. And and this is what uh, it's the 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 beautiful thing that makes this world tick. I guess. Yeah, Um, it's fun. We look forward to. I'm sure we'll reference it next week on the podcast as well. Yeah, no, I think think we will. Yeah, something big happening. Um, Dale, you've got a day of it. I know you, you, you. This is just the first of many. You've been speaking to the world's media. You're about to carry on doing the same thing. Um. Have a good one. Don't lose your voice. Um, We'll speak next week. Yeah, pleasure. Thank you, Ian. I'll speak to you later on Talk Radio. Indeed. That's it for this episode. Don't forget, of course, you can subscribe for free from your podcast provider so that you get each episode automatically. Make sure you leave a review there too. And if you want to get in touch, you can do that via email with your comments and questions, zerocarbonista at ecotricity.co.uk. Really important bit. Follow Dale on social media, of course, on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash dalevince or facebook.com slash dalevince. Zero Carbon East Off.